So my name's Gary Lamaster, and I uh, live in Fresno. <laughs> love Fresno. My wife, we just moved back up there five years ago from Los Angeles, and often people ask us, where'd you live before Fresno? L.A. And they go, and you moved to Fresno. And I said, it's a great place. I grew up there. You know, it's a wonderful town. There's a lot going on. Anyway, my wife started a new club. It's called FFF, Finding Fun in Fresno. <laughs> she has two members, she and her friend. <laughs> anyway, so I'm glad to be here today. This really is an honor and a privilege to be able to talk to you about, uh, just hang out with you, but also be able to talk to you about decision making. Uh, because, you know, we wake up in the morning and when the alarm goes off or when it doesn't go off, we start making decisions. And, and you know, I alluded to the, uh, the batting average uh, idea in, in uh, the write-up that Jason helped me with. And, boy, I'll tell you, some days, some weeks, I don't think I'd make the all-star team, right? Uh, other weeks, I'd do okay. And so over the course of my uh, career in life, I've actually done work in this area and, and taught classes to aerospace engineers about decision-making, a real uh, systematic, rational process that we used to use. But it's insufficient because as Christians, we need more than just a rational process to help us make decisions, right? And so um, uh, it, it's a really important area and I hope that, that at the end of this session, you'll have one or two nuggets that you'll be able to take with you that'll make a difference in your decision-making activities and make you better, make you feel better about um, how you get that stuff done. So uh, I would just tell you about my personality in case I don't want you to get real excited about this, but... <clears throat> My, my personality has been described as laid back, close to death. So, you know, I will, I'll, I'll try to raise the tenor and everything else as we go through this, but, you know, if I, if I get laid back and go to sleep, somebody will nudge me. Carlos is going to come over and give me a nudge, so I'll stay awake, right? But it is good to be here. And so I just want to open in prayer, if that's all right, and ask the Lord to be with us. <clears throat> And uh, Lord, we just give this session to you right now. And you know, Lord, uh, we all have challenges in this area of decision making. And I pray that you'll give me wisdom. You'll give me the ability to communicate in a way it'll be effective. And you have all, help all of us to have ears that are open uh, to be able to listen to what you have to say to us. And if there's anything in what I say that comes from you, I pray that that will just uh, be a part of our thinking going forward. Uh, bless each one of these guys, and uh, we ask all of this in the in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay. <clears throat> so, if you had to grade your decision effectiveness today, what grade would you give yourself? And you don't have to answer. It's kind of it's a what an A for an A for this course. Yeah, you made one good decision today, right? Well, Hold on to that evaluation until after the session, right? But, uh, and and uh, the other question I have is, are there any decisions you've regretted? And we all go, yeah, yesterday, I mean, <laughs> I regret And And so it, it is a, it's a real challenge. And uh, maybe some of the things that we talk about will improve our effectiveness, not just individually, but maybe in the organizations that we work in. How many of you are in leadership positions in where you work? I mean, you, you guys have um, an extra burden in terms of making decisions and helping organizations move forward. And uh, certainly personality is, is uh, personally is a, is a deal. I would say that decision-making is probably to our lives like breathing is to our bodies. And... Uh, a lot of the decisions we make are kind of at the unconscious level or subconscious level, aren't they? We don't think about them. I, I, you know, maybe you thought about the dessert that Chris was telling me. He's been 
His group's been struggling with dessert decisions up here. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I do that too. You know, that, that can be a problem. But a lot of that we don't really evaluate, do we? We look at the chocolate chip cookie and it's like, there it is. Easy decision. Um, but there are some other presuppositions that, that probably we ought to think about. Often I think we focus on the big decisions, right? But big decisions are really the product of smaller decisions, aren't they? And you never know what decision that you make will lead to other things down the road. And so it gets a little scary when you think about all the things that, you, that could come into play. If you had two words to describe your own personal autobiography, have you ever thought about what those might be? If you had to do that right now, what, what might that be? I uh, was reading, uh, well, after George W. Bush was uh, president, he wrote his autobiography about the time he was president. And what did he title that book? Did anybody remember? Decision Points. So you think about it. Here's somebody who's trying to describe eight years as the president of the United States, and the two words he uses are decision points. A lot of his presidency was about making decisions. A lot of our lives are about making decisions. And all of our decisions have consequences, both positively and negatively. There's always a downstream effect, right? You decide uh, who to marry. That's a decision, by the way. Or you decide who to love. And that that decision affects the rest of your life, doesn't it? Um, and so, and I hope you've all made good decisions in that regard. By the way, I did hear a guy the other day, he's a comedian up in Maine, <clears throat> and he said, I have the answer to a happy, happy marriage. And I thought, I want to listen to that guy. What's he going to say? This is for a long-term happy marriage. So we're listening, and he says, always give your wife the second answer. <laughs> Example. The game's on Sunday afternoon and you want to watch your team. And she goes, honey, can we go work in the garden this afternoon? Or even worse, I, I taped an episode of Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> Would you sit and watch that with me? Well, the second answer is, of course, dear. <laughs> I would love to, to sit with you on the couch. We'll snuggle a little bit, you know, and we'll just have a nice time. And, and you know what the first answer was, right? Are you kidding me? I'd rather put my thumb in this car door and slam it. <laughs> By the way, good decision, second answer. I've been married 49 years now, and that's how I made it. <laughs> the other two words in that uh, scenario are, yes, dear. Anyway, the big decisions. You make decision, a decision to follow Christ, and it changes your life forever. You make a decision to forgive someone who has wronged you, and it can change your life. Conversely, you can hold resentment, and it can change the course of your life. I've been doing a, uh, a couple of high school students. We've been studying World War I. This is called The Yanks Are Coming. Great little overview. And, and, and I read this little paragraph, and it, it really affected me because it, well, let me read it, and you'll see why. Because resentment, bitterness, hatred, can lead to things that we might not even be able to control. At the night before the armistice, at the end of World War I, doctors at a German army hospital outside Berlin had the patients brought into the main hall to break the news of their country's defeat. Among the patients was a 29-year-old who had been gassed during the fighting in Belgium, a thin man. He seemed lost in his oversized uniform. The only remarkable thing about him was his ashen, uh, of his ashen face was a large drooping mustache. 
You know where this is going. A pastor broke the news, which went to his heart like a dagger. Startled, angry, humiliated, he groped his way along the crowded corridors and threw himself on his bed, burying his head in the pillow, and he began to cry. At that moment, Corporal Adolf Hitler vowed revenge for Germany's defeat. You know, resentment, hatred, a decision. And they're not sure how many people died as a result of World War I. Estimates go between 50 and 60 million people. And it started, I mean, it seems it started with someone's decision to hold resentment, be angry. So it's a powerful thing, you know. Um, we, uh, <laughs> some decisions are no-brainers, aren't they? Right? I mean, some things about right and wrong are so clear we shouldn't even have to evaluate them. A moral decision, no-brainer. Being unethical, no-brainer. Um, but they also start with little decisions. And I'm convinced that you and I are probably two decisions away from being in trouble. Right? My dad used to say that uh, if you think about something long enough, you'll do it. So baseball playoffs are here. Did San Diego win yesterday or the other team? I, what happened? The other team. So they're still going on? Okay. Statistics are flying. Uh, interestingly, as a batter, you know if you're successful three times out of ten, you're an all-star. Um, and again, I ask you, you know, personally, what's your batting average? What would it be? Yeah. So what can we do to be more effective, have a better batting average? Um, and there's an there's a underlying principle, a foundational thing that we have to pay attention to. And Shakespeare, one of, one of my favorite Shakespeare plays was Much to Do About Nothing. And uh, one of my favorites. But good decision making is actually much to do about something. And you know what that is? It's seeking wisdom. The Bible is full of, of uh, admonitions to seek wisdom. James 1, you're so familiar with it. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. So I wonder if in the morning, and I try to practice this, one of my prayers in the morning is, Lord, Give me wisdom today. Especially when I was in the corporate world. I spent 18 years with Lockheed Martin, and I, I got to teach you know, in that environment. And then I was a college professor for another almost 20. And uh, the days that I was effective, I would get up and I'd pray, Lord, give me wisdom today so that I can be effective. And I think that prayer is, is uh, relevant even if you're retired like I am. Lord, give me wisdom today. Help me to be effective. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, very familiar. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and don't lean on your understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and, and he will make your paths straight. He'll give you what you need. For wisdom, Proverbs 8 says, wisdom is better than jewels. I'm going to take that one home to my wife. <laughs> On our trip to Maine last week, she took, we went in this place. Uh, I think it was an uh, antique store. Gary, come over here. Look at this. This beautiful ring. And she starts to describe the ring, and then I saw the price. <laughs> I wish I had just read this verse. I could say, you know what's more valuable than that? Wisdom. <laughs> that was my second answer. No, that was probably my first answer, right? My second answer should have been, hmm, let's buy that ring for you, right? <laughs> for wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare to her. Wow. 
but I digress. I told you I taught aerospace engineers a rational, systematic approach uh, to decision-making based on the RAND Corporation research that was done back in the 50s, I believe. Fascinating, because the RAND Corporation did a, a massive study on people they thought were effective decision-makers, and you know what they found? All good decision-makers followed kind of the same pattern in their decision-making process. Interesting. And, and it went something like this. So first you have to know what your d decision you're making. <laughs> No-brainer, right? What's the decision I'm making? But you'd be surprised how often we get in trouble with that first step, right? Because um, uh, somebody might say, I want to buy a car. Okay, well, that's one level of decision, isn't it? And if, and if you want to look at more alternatives, you have to change that level. The level might be something like, well, maybe I just want to look for transportation because now the alternatives just open way up, don't they? And uh, so I think often we jump in, we go into a, well, I think Best Buy, actually now I think Costco, is a place where a million alternatives are looking for some objectives. Does that make sense? It's a ton of alternatives, and you go in there thinking, I'm going to get my uh, half and half, and you come out spending $200. Yeah. <laughs> and that's only with half, a half, and, uh, half and half and a loaf of bread now, $200, right? But you look at what the decision is, and then you, the, these good decision makers would then also evaluate and think about their objectives. In other words, what am I trying to accomplish? And then they, would, then they would look at alternatives. And then they would do some evaluation, risk assessment, and they still have to make a decision. But I would say for Christians, that's insufficient. We need a more robust way to make decisions. God's always working on our behalf, remember. And so even if we make a decision that we don't, we, we look at it and we think, oh, was that the right one? Often God works that stuff out, doesn't he? I mentioned last night that uh, Dr. Stanley Jones, was a, he was a missionary to India. I think he went in 1917, was there through the end of World War II. Fascinating guy, probably the best Christian mind of his time. And a uh, great guy. I think his model is best because it recognizes God's oversight and guidance, including the following things. First of all, he says this. He said, uh, God will never lead us to do anything outside the character and teaching of Jesus in the New Testament. The original what would Jesus do <laughs> idea. But this only works if we study and know God's word. Right? If you don't know God's word, you don't know the New Testament, then you don't really know what he is really saying. But he says, God will never guide us outside of that. And I, that's been helpful to me so often. Because I have had decisions face, uh, in, in front of me, and the question is, is there anything that I, I need to think about in terms of Christ and what he would have done and, and how he would guide me in this situation? Is this really outside of his character? And if it is, I know I need to go the other direction. So that's number one. Um, so I was going to use this, but now I'm feeling like I'm not going to. I, I started teaching 50 years ago when you used chalk and blackboards, and I do online stuff now, and I'm, I can do that. But I just thought I would have that up here as a place I could go if I lost my place, and I could start making notes. Anyway. So we won't be, we won't be uh, given guidance. God won't guide us outside of that. Okay. The second thing he said is that we really need to use the, the uh, uh, counsel of godly people, people. And sometimes we seek that out. I was faced with a tough decision yesterday, and as I'm sitting there thinking, man, this thing is really driving me nuts. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And, and impression came to my mind, which I think was the Lord. Why don't you call this person? So I called them up, and they, they just gave me that little nudge. 
they needed to have. I didn't know what they would tell me, but it really helped me. Sometimes we seek it, sometimes we don't seek it. Seek it. Um, so, for example, when I was dating, uh, well, I wasn't dating my wife yet, I forgot. It was the other one that I was dating. My, my dad was on the board of the college that, I, that my wife and I attended, and we, she and I had become friends, and uh, it was great. And my dad came down to a board meeting one day, and he said, uh, <coughs> Gary, we need to talk, you know, come here in the corner. I went with him. He said, you know that Sandy that you've been dating? She's not for you. I said, oh, really, Dad? He said, no, that, R that Rindy, she's the one. And uh, so I know. We've been married 49 years. So he took out his wallet. Now, remember, this was 1970. He took out his wallet and he gave me a $20 bill, which for you young guys, that was like probably $200 now, right? He said, use this to take her out. And... I, I knew enough about her to know that if I took her to Farrell's ice cream parlor, it would be all over. <laughs> so that's what we did. But sometimes that is sought, sometimes it isn't. But this, uh, this input um, is important, but we're still responsible for the decision, right? Stanley Jones said that uh, in, the, in this point, he said one time he had done a presentation for a day and he was having interviews with uh, sessions with students at this college and a young woman came up to him and she said brother Stanley uh, I, I, I've been dating this man and this man and they both, both have asked me to marry them and, and uh, I need to know what to do he said well don't marry either one of them neither one of them are good enough for you and she went, oh, that's great, because I prayed this morning that whatever you told me, that would be the thing. <laughs> he said, no, that, don't know. That's my opinion. The decision is yours. But, but seeking godly wisdom is so important. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice, Proverbs 12. Advice is a good thing. But we still have to make the decision, don't we? The opening of providence, the third one. The opening of providence. Opportunities come our way. And the question is, is this what we're supposed to do uh, or not? Uh, I know that uh, I, one time I was, uh, we had been back east. We moved back to California. I, I had a chance to get a job at uh, Christian school down in L.A., and uh, I had gone the day before to see my former college professor, one of my good college professors. And uh, we had lunch. He said, what are you doing? And I told him. He called me up that night. We were staying in a hotel, my wife and I. And he called me up that night. And he said, Gary, I have an idea. Why don't you come to work for me? Because I need someone to manage my practice and take care of my psychologists and we have a little business that we're trying to run would you be interested in that and I prayed about it and I said sure well uh, eight months later <laughs> he came to me and he said hey can we talk <laughs> I always hate it when people say that can we talk <laughs> something bad's going to happen right so, um, he said we've run out of money I have to lay you off and I went out of that meeting thinking what a loser I am. <laughs> what a boron. I thought this was the best decision. Um, there was that opening of providence, and, it, and it, it was what I was supposed to do, and it didn't work out. Well, I can look back a long time later and see how that was actually preparatory for the next job I had, and I ended up spending a, you know, an 18-year career at Lockheed Martin because I got laid off. And then the next thing opened up, Right, And so you just never know. You can't, you have to, to, to do your best and trust God to help you. There's always a, down a down, downstream effect, and there are always unintended consequences. Another time, we were in uh, Sunnyvale. No, where were we? Denver. I was working for the corporation in Denver, and there's some conventional wisdom in that environment. And it is, if you ever get a chance to go to corporate, you always go. 
right? My mentor in the organization said, Gary, if you ever get a chance to corp go to corporate, you go to corporate, Bethesda, Maryland, because if, if you get in that corporate environment and you do okay, you can pretty much decide where you go and the rest of the corporation. You're an idiot if you don't take that job, right? So uh, we're in Denver, and in uh, the fall of my son's junior year in high school, I get a call from the corporate office. Gary, we want you to come back and do this job at corporate. And I'm remembering my friend John Murphy saying, always take a job at corporate. Good advice, right? But there was something in my heart that said, no, that's not the thing for you to do. And I thought, I can't leave my son and my, my uh, wife and son for that year. His junior year in high school, I can't do it. I called the guy up. I said, you know what, this is great. And you always say it like I'm so flattered you to ask me, but I just can't do it right now, blah, blah, blah. Hang up the phone, and I think, well, that's the end of that deal. I mean, I'll stay employed, but that was my chance. And I didn't feel I should take it. Um, a year goes by. The next year, he's a senior. The same guy calls me from corporate. Hey, why don't you... Uh, think about this job at corporate. I'll call you back. Next day I call. Um, can't do it. Sorry. Thanks. I'm so flattered. <laughs> you know, I'm so flattered. <laughs> I hung the phone up and I said, now I've done it twice. Man, I really got a good, good deal going here. The next February, I got a call from the, the HRVP in Sunnyvale and they asked me to come out and be the director of employee development there. And I thought, Hmm, isn't it interesting that when you, when you do the thing that you think is right, God really does take care of things, doesn't he? So I got a bigger job than I would have had at corporate, and it set me up for my journey to the academic world. So the fourth thing he says, fourth, he says we need to use our heightened moral intelligence. Okay? And... That was the, the model that I taught in the corporate world. That was the use your brain. God gave us a mind. He expects us to use it um, and get all the information that we can. And there's lots of it out there right now, isn't there? By the way, we know Google's always right, so just Google it. Wikipedia, whatever, you can just find the answer, right? Um, but we ought to get all of the information we can Follow some kind of process. Some guys, guys like to do plus and minus lists. The different people do different things. But to think through what are all the ramifications of doing this. And God expects us to use our head. Okay? The fifth thing he says. He said sometimes there's that still small voice. Um, that says this is the way. Walk in it. And, and, and in Isaiah 30, it says, And your hear, ears shall hear a word behind you, saying, This is the way. Walk in it. When you turn to the right or when you turn to the left. Those impressions are important. Okay? But we need a balance with all of those. Hey, we need a balance, don't we? Because if you over-rely on one or any of those, you can get yourself in trouble. Right? We had a... <laughs> I'll tell you... This guy named Stan Ashby, when we worked back east, I probably shouldn't use his name, but I think he's dead now. Um, he, he was a Harvard graduate. Really smart guy. Um, his wife would buy him a new suit, though, and then she would bring it. The, uh, what, was it what is it on a man's pants? It's not a him. What is it? The cuff, thank you. She would always raise his cuff up so he'd have high waters, you know, like three inches above his shoes. We don't know why he did it, and he wore white socks. This guy was so smart, Harvard graduate. And some days he'd go, you know, I'm not sure I'm supposed to do this way, but I'm going to get up and see which, may, which way my shoes are pointing on the floor, and that's the way I'm going to go today. And I thought, okay. Um, that just was too weird for me. <laughs> we do kid about that sometimes. But we need to have that balance. We need to make sure that when we're faced with these bigger decisions, and even the small ones, is this something Jesus would do? How would Jesus handle this, right? Uh, 
have I really sought the people that I trust to know to give me some advice that would listen to what I have to say and, and help me think through the process? Have I done that? Um, have I really used uh, my, my mental capacity to do the best job that I can do, to look at what needs to be done? Um, is there an opening here that might suggest to me that there's a place for me to go? Do I, am I hearing anything from the Lord? Is he speaking to me through the scripture or through somebody else that this is the thing that we ought to do, to have that balance? Well, there's another overlay that really makes this fun. And that's the, the reality that we're all different personality-wise. This gets a little complex because some of us love closure. And if you love closure, you want to get in and make that decision and move on has a lot of benefits. But one of the downsides is that if you move on too quickly, you might miss something, right? Some of us like to keep our options open. And it's hard to make decisions. Not that because we're indecisive, but we keep seeing all these different possibilities and it makes us, well, it makes those of us who like closure crazy, <laughs> right? Um, and you know who you are when you go to a restaurant and the, the uh, server brings out a menu. And for me, I like closure. Tell me the restaurant right now, I'll tell you what I'm gonna order. Anybody like that? How many of you are like that? It's like, you know, habit, I know I'm doing. The ones that drive me crazy are the ones that have like 47 things on the menu. Okay. I'll still pick something quick. My wife likes to keep her options open. And so she has to read through every item on the menu. So she's always last. Don't start with me, start last. And then she hears what other people are getting. And then she, you know, servers are trained. When they see you all put your men menus down, that's when they come over and take your order. The people that like to keep their options open never do that. Yeah. They go like this. And then the person starts to walk over. Oh, wait, what about that? <laughs> and then they back up, you know. And uh, so, so, um, <laughs> uh, crazy. We've learned, though. I'm not sure what we've learned about that, but we've learned to get through it. I think I've learned to be patient and just let her takes all the time she does because I already know what I'm going to get and that does create problems so uh, there, there are all these complexities about making decisions but the, the bottom line is that, that our decisions need to be based they need to be bathed in prayer we need to be asking God for wisdom we need to ask him to, to make it clear to us what we're to do because we, we don't want to mess it up and then the other overlay is that even when we do mess it up or make a decision that we don't think is the right one God has a way of working that stuff out now by the way I'm not talking about the moral decisions right okay the pretty girl walks down the street and you think hmm okay and Jones used to say it's not what you do when she's walking this way it's what you do when she passes you in your head. Those aren't the kind of decisions that, that need the whole evaluation. But there are, they are the kind of decisions that get us in trouble. Right? Something come, pops up on your, your uh, screen on, at home on the computer or on your phone. What you do with those things are no-brainers. No Shut them off. Don't even think about it. Don't, don't do an evaluation. Hmm, I wonder... I wonder what God's saying to me here. You know? <laughs> I wonder what Jesus would do if he was facing that. You don't have to do that. Shut the stupid thing off. It's not right for you to do. right? So, uh, the model. God's not going to guide us outside of who he is. He wants us to seek godly wisdom. He'll give us opening providences to guide us sometimes. He wants us to use our heightened moral intelligence, right? 
He wants us to listen to him. Okay? And he wants us to pray. And he wants us to seek wisdom. And if we do, I believe God will help us in, in what we do. Uh, so I, I'm gonna, I'd like to pray, and then I want to open the floor and see if, uh, what questions you might have for me, okay? Is that all right? Lord, thank you for today and for the chance to talk with these guys. I pray that you'll uh, help each one of us to be better decision makers, to make decisions that are honoring to you, that will help us be effective in our lives and in our work. And uh, we just uh, commit all this to you now, in Jesus' name, amen. What questions do you have? Yes, sir. How did your dad know that the first girlfriend wasn't right for you? <laughs> How come you didn't know? <laughs> <laughs> did you hear that? How come my dad knew the first girlfriend wasn't right and the, he knew... Anyway. And then how come you didn't know that too? Like yeah, well, I was, I was uh, 19. <laughs> Enough said. <laughs> uh, I, have, I have three granddaughters. One's 20, one's 17, one's 15. And I tell them all the time, teenage boys are idiots. <laughs> they are stupid, and you can't fix stupid. <laughs> I told the 17-year-old the other day, I said, I'm going on your first date with you. She said, okay, Grandpa, that'd be cool. <laughs> I'll, do it, I'll do it sort of secretly. I will, I will uh, I'll, you tell me what restaurant you're going to, and I'll be over in the next booth with the menu. I'll be the, I'll be the guy that can't make up his mind about the item. I'll be going like this, right? But I think, uh, well, my dad was a wise person. He was a pastor. He was a wise guy. Not a wise guy, but he was a wise man. <laughs> Right? And he just knew. He just had that sense. You know, we know these things sometimes, don't we? It's like, you know, hey. Uh, but I think that, so I don't know if I answered your question. Well, then, I guess, do you, were you open to his feedback? Oh, totally. He gave me 20 bucks. What am I going to do? Make <laughs> <laughs> that real easy. Yeah. Well, and I have to be careful I say that because some people have interpreted that incorrectly. I was, I was appreciative of the money. It wasn't payment for me to take her out. It was money so that I could take her out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. He didn't say, here's 20 bucks, take her out, and if it goes out, I'll give you more. <laughs> you clearly respected his opinion. I did, absolutely. Because yeah. that's not always the case between fathers and sons. It's not. And you might get unsolicited advice and say, well, what do you know? Right. But you clearly respected I totally respected my dad. And so when we're getting that advice from people, <laughs> it ought to be people that we totally respect. And I have my group. I hope you have your group. Different scholars have talked about having our own, what do they call it? They say we have our own uh, board of directors or some board. You know, it's people that you know you can go to, and they're going to give you the straight stuff. Speak truth in your life. Yeah, they're going to speak truth in your life. And, and, and maybe there's somebody that's not even... Where you live, I mean, I have friends. One, my best, one of my best friends lives in Oklahoma, and I know that if I call Marshall, and I say, Marshall, I, we're thinking about doing this, Marshall will, in all the gentleness and kindness that he has, will tell me what he really thinks. And sometimes I've not listened to him, and I wish I had. You know, I took promotions in in my work life that I wish I had. They were regrets later on. You know, people said, did you ever you have your dream job? And I said, well, I know I had my nightmare job. <laughs> and, and it was because in the decision, this was interesting, because in the decision process, I had a chance to get a promotion to be a VP. And I thought, well, I, yeah, I should do that. And I got into it, and, and I, it, I was in over my head, not from the work, but from the, I, I was HR vice, uh, HR vice president at the university, and it's a nightmare. I mean, you have to have the, the skin of a rhinoceros to deal with that, that whole deal. So, uh, great people, I, I, I enjoyed the people part of it, but it, I was in over my head. And I know when I look back on the decision, the objectives that I had, I didn't really go through that process like I should, you know? And my ego got in the way, and so I made this decision, and it. You know, I had a heart attack and all kinds of things. Not just because of that, but, you know. Yes, sir? Uh, isn't the final decision just, like, that decision between you and God? Because, like, you're trying to weigh all the options, right? And then you have these outlier people that you respect yeah. that will 
right. And so ultimately, we have to get our direction from the Holy Spirit. Yeah, absolutely. So it, yeah. Can you just briefly explain how did you do that in that corporate setting? How did you deal with that at the corporate level? Oh, oh you mean with the guys yeah. when I was teaching this? At the corporate? Yeah. Um, well, you know, the way that model was put together, it, it did say that. It said you can do all this analysis. You can look at the numbers, if you will, to see what, 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 you're, what, you're, what you're thinking about. But ultimately, you have to decide what risk you're going to take and what you're going to do. And uh, some of the guys that are higher up would think, yeah, I'm kind of intuitive. I just know. Well, what was fascinating was that Rand, the RAND study looked at that, and what they found out with those guys that said they were just intuitive went through that other process very quickly in their head. So they, they, ran, the, they ran in their head. These are the objectives. Here's what I'm trying to do. They didn't know how to, to uh, specify it, but that's the process that they used. So I, you know, but, but ultimately, you're right. But sometimes I get frustrated because, like, Lord, I really want to know what to do. Would you hit me upside the head so I know what I'm supposed to do here? So sometimes a decision is, and my wife have talked about this one, sometimes there isn't a perfect decision. This is okay, this is okay. God's going to be with you. What do you want to do? Yeah, it gives you that free rate. So you, you can't get so caught up in trying to think about, am I, is, is this going to be the perfect thing in God's eyes? Um, there are a lot of ways God works, right? So what if I'd married Sandy, that other girl? I'd be a different place. Yeah. Yeah. You hold it off. Yeah. Yeah. And it and it, it it's uh that's a tough one because we all deal with that, don't we? It's like okay, I want to do what's right, and so I go back through my head. Is there anything in the New Testament that would tell me this is wrong? You know, what are my people telling me? What's that? You can let someone else make the decision, but that in itself is a decision. Right. It is a decision just to let somebody else make. You can't. It's it's you. It's all on you, right? All right. Yes, sir. It seemed like you didn't talk about asking God for signs, praying to God and asking for signs like Gideon. Yeah. And he went back. It was almost like three times. I know. Yeah. So do you lay out a fleece? Have you ever done that? Yeah. 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 I mean, I th that can get a little crazy laying out fleeces. I'm not against doing it. But, but uh, asking God for a sign can get a little tricky because how much of that sign is your subconscious projecting what you want to happen, right? It's like, you know, if I drive down the road and that bird hits my car, does that mean I'm supposed to do so? I don't know. Yes, sir. I'm Yeah. You know, the, the thing that's helped me the most is to be able to look back on my life. I'm 71 now, so I have a little track record. I mean, not track record, good and bad. I have some tread on my, anyway, I can't get to, I can't get to one of those. Anyway. But when I, when I sit down and I look back on my life and say, okay, how has this thing worked out? Oh, that was a dumb decision, but look what happened because of that. I have to hold on to that, that, that same God that helped me through all of those things is going to help me now, right? And, uh, you know, it, and I have to rely on his grace and his ability to turn things around even when I think they're wrong. And sometimes it was probably the right thing to do anyway. It just didn't feel like it. Maybe it didn't work out the way I thought it should. You know, I could make an investment decision, lose a bunch of money, and the outcome could be God saying to me, Okay, you're going to trust me? Right? Are you going to trust me? Huh? Watch Frozen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Frozen, yeah. Yeah, watch Frozen. Yes, sir. Um, you mentioned an online presence. Can you give us additional resources so we can go through 
I, uh, oh man. Uh, yeah, we can talk, but I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Just resources to go look at for decision making. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, well, okay. Thank you. I can tell you a book he wrote. <laughs> this book is called *A Song of Ascents*. It's his spiritual autobiography. You can still get these. There is a chapter in here on on a, it's it's called *Guidance and Adventure and Failure*, and that's where he lays out those five ideas. It's fascinating because he talks in here about his experience with this and also <laughs> he was involved in, in uh, trying to stop Japan from attacking Pearl Harbor. He had information. He knew the ambassadors from Japan. He had, he had messages sent to FDR. He had all kinds of things that he was trying to do. They're trying to find a solution because People knew this was going to happen, right? And, and he was really trying to, to stop that. And he did his best, and he feels he failed, right? And the war happened. Um, but it didn't mean that he didn't do his best and try to make that thing work. And sometimes life just doesn't, I mean, life's tough, man, right now especially. It's tough. And we're going to make some blunders. But God's going to be in control, and he's going to help us get through that. And we're going to learn from it. We're going to be able to look back on our life and see how he helped us go through and, uh, and deal with the issues that we've had to deal with. He makes good stuff out of our failures, too. I, I honestly believe that. Yeah. Any others? Yeah. So you're kind of talking about discernment and making choices. Is there any, like, uh, lens you can put over a situation that kind of helps avoid your personal bias? Hmm. <laughs> Well, part of that's to help uh, to get that advice from people who know you well, right? If you have friends that really know you well or a wife that really knows you well and can help you with that, it's the only thing that's been able to help me. I, so my friend Marshall, he'll say to me, you know, Gary, you know, I know you want to do this bigger job, but wh wh where's your sweet spot, you know? Where are you at your best? Where do you get life out of something? Where do you feel like... Um, um, that, uh, uh, that, that, that it is life-giving what you're going to do. And, and some of those questions became, become really helpful to me. Does that help? Okay. Yes, sir. So early on you uh, asked the question, what's your batting average with respect to decisions? So what is your batting average? My batting average? I'm probably 50-50. I'm probably batting 500, I think. Yeah, why only in 50-50? Yeah, how would I analyze that? Well, um, the only perfect person I remember studying was Jesus. <laughs> so I, I know I, I'm set up to make some bad decisions because I'm human. Um, I don't know how to answer that question. Do you know what your batting average is? Um, a thousand. Oh, Okay. Well, I, that's great that you're batting a thousand. Okay. Anybody else batting a thousand? <laughs> I want to ask you how you do that, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I understand what you're saying because if we're in, if we're seeking God's will, He's going to guide and direct us. And even if we do things that, you know, that make decisions that don't look like they're the right thing, God can take care of that. He can turn it around, right? Yeah, yeah. I see another one. Oh, yes, sir. Um, yeah. So the saying, like, what would Jesus do? Yeah. Um, I'm going to try to phrase this as best I can. Uh, I mean, Jesus wasn't married. Yeah. So there's that. We're like, well, what would he do? We have no idea what right. he would do with the wife. Uh, right. We, uh, we have no idea what he would do with the computer. Yeah. We have no idea what he would do. Uh, I mean, we're, we're given very little. I guess my question is, uh, of those five things, I guess, now I'm thinking about this, like, which one would you start with, and which one would you prioritize, mm -hmm. uh, and where would, what would Jesus do be on that list of five things? Sorry, though. 
Well, I think the, what would Jesus do is probably a number one. You know, he's not going to guide us outside the character and teaching of Christ in the New Testament. Uh, I mean, that would be a starting point. I, I don't know if there's a particular order. I'm not sure it's that kind of model, but I think that I uh, would tend to think of those things. But sometimes I have an impression, and I think, you know, I think I'm supposed to do this, right? I see somebody uh, on the street, and I think I'm supposed to go talk to them. You know, those are just kind of impressions that we have. Um, and it's situational, isn't it? Yeah, situational. So it's like you start with what would Jesus do? And it can't I be probably, excuse me, I probably do. But if, yeah, I, or if it's some uh, like financial decision, I probably start with the analysis, kind of using my uh, heightened moral intelligence to try to figure that out. But I don't want to become so caught up in one thing that I, Kind of don't I get out of balance? That makes sense. So yes, sir. Yeah, I'll give you an example of that. Um, one year, start of the year, I decided because the, I just felt like the Holy Spirit told me we needed to redo some remodeling on the outside of our building of the church. Yeah. We didn't have the money to do it. Yeah. So it's a faith decision. Like it's going to cost a lot of money to do this. So all I just said was, "This is what we're doing." Yeah. And we made plans and we went out and started buying decoration rocks and trees and everything like this. A week after we started that project, a guy called out of the blue and said, I'm sending you $10,000 to help you with whatever you need. Yeah. So it's, it's just a matter sometimes of just knowing what God wants you to do. Right. Another component. And, and I would think he would say it's all over that, but my, my sense is that if I'm praying, I'm praying in faith. If I'm looking for wisdom, I'm asking God in faith for wisdom. Amen. And he's going he's gonna to respond and help me. He doesn't want me to mess that up. Gets back to your impression. You're saying, I had an impression. Yeah. You had an impression. I had an impression. Yeah. And, so, and you go you're with it. You're praying, man. You're asking God for guidance. Yeah. He gives you an impression, and you can act on that in faith. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's how you get to a thousand batting errors. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, there was a guy over here. You know what? We have about five minutes, I think. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. This gets theological, right? And I know there are different views. I was in a, a meeting one time with some other men, and they were discussing things. And they said, so Gary, um, when, you, you, when there's a tough decision to make in your family, who makes it? I know they weren't going to like my answer. I said, my wife and I. No, no, no. I mean the really tough decisions. I said, my wife and I. Okay. I, I, you know, there is headship, and there, and, but I am also in a relationship with somebody who will have the, the uh, consequences of my decision. I don't want to do things without her input. And sometimes she says, you know what, this is your deal, you, you decide. Sometimes I do that with her. But I think when it comes down to those big decisions, it's a team. And that's partly how we stayed married 49 years because... As my, my mother-in-law used to tell me when she was alive, Gary, uh, she called me Gary, not idiot, which was a good thing, <laughs> or, or stupid, you know. Um, she said, Gary, she said, uh, your father-in-law is the head of this home, but I'm the neck that turns the head. <laughs> I said, okay. Ooh, ooh, okay. <laughs> yes, sir. Oh. How would I would describe me? Oh, so let's see. Big loser wouldn't work. Uh, that's hard, isn't it, when you're kind of asked to do that on the spur of the moment. I would like to say I'm a Christ follower. That's what I'd like to say. And I think most of the time I am. Work in progress. Work in progress. That's three words. Have it all? <laughs> yeah, hyphenated. Work in, work, 
Yeah, work in progress. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, there is that a work in progress. I mean, that, thank you, Carlos. I like this guy right here. He told me he'd be my wingman today. You him the first night. We like him too. No. <laughs> what bad is, decision. Okay, a bad decision. Yeah. One more, and then we'll close in uh, prayer. Yeah. And oftentimes you got to keep going. I mean, I, you know, you can't give up. Uh, God will ask us to do things sometimes that we don't really want to do, right? <coughs> he will ask us to take paths that we don't want to do. Uh, and, and I think that, that uh, we have to follow his leading in and he's responsible for the outcome then, you know. If we're doing something that he's asked us to do and it's really clear and it's not going to work out, like, you know, there was one girl I wanted to marry, you know, and that didn't work out. That, that's a bad joke. Because I, got the $20. Uh, I got the $20, right? I didn't want to marry the other one. Jesus. Anyway, when yes. you make a bad decision, I always look at the back and see, where could I find the good in it? Yeah. When I make a bad decision, how can I look back I and, find the, and find the good in it? there's always something there. God has us. He wants us to be effective in our lives. He wants us to do what he wants us to do. And, and it's a process, isn't it? It's a process of learning. I mean, I wish I was better at hearing his voice. You know, I wish I was better at um, listening to my friends. I, I wish I knew more of the New Testament. That's kind of on me, isn't it? so that I would know what Jesus would do. And it wouldn't be a big evaluative thing. It would be, you know what, I think what the Lord would do here would be, you know. Yeah, he wasn't married, but he knew about people. Yeah. Yes. I should share this one thing. Yeah. Um, two weeks ago, you mentioned Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and I was meditating on that. Yeah. Very familiar passage. Um, but the second part, um, lean not onto your own understandings. And I yeah. just read the definition of pragmatism. Mm. And pragmatism is choosing what appears to work over obedience because mm. we doubt the sufficiency of God. Mm. And that first part, trust the Lord all your heart. You mentioned you're 70. I just turned 60. I can look back on my life yeah. and see he is worthy yes. to be all in, yeah. to trust him with all my heart yeah. and not to lean on my own understanding, which yeah. is the pride that comes up. Yeah. And we know that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. But um, anyway, it's just being in tune to his prompting and not resisting because it doesn't seem practical. Right. And, uh, anyways, just, you mentioned yeah. that, and I've just been studying that, and I just want to share that. Yeah, thank you. No, I, I appreciate that. You know, we ought to all be all in. J.R. Coleman did our men's retreat a few months ago. He's a pastor in Fresno, and he did this thing about being all in. And I pray that every morning now. I pray, Lord, today I want to be all in. I want to be all in with you. I want, I want what you want for me today. And if I play golf, Lord, please help me to be a better putter. <laughs> he never answers that prayer. I don't know why that is, but it just it is what it is. Yes, sir, and then we'll close in prayer. I had that happen yet. Yeah. So we don't keep making those same reactive decisions. Yeah. Because sometimes we're like, no, we're just, we shut our brain off. Right? And we just go through life. Right. Yeah. That's why it's so important to do things like this, to have Christian brothers and, I mean, friends, to be involved with people that can speak into our lives. Because none of us are perfect. Yes, sir. And we're going to. Well, it's the outcome. I mean, the out when I look at the outcome, I think, boy, that didn't work out. Well, did it? I wish I had gone another way. But there were good things that came out of that, too. 
So it wasn't all, the outcomes weren't all bad. It just was, I mean, so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stay around if you guys want to come up and chattel. I know you have a meeting to go to, right? So let's, uh, let's just pray and then we'll go. Lord, thank you for a chance to be with these guys. And I just pray that we'll all be better decision makers, that we'll learn to hear your voice, that we'll be attuned to what you want us to do in every situation. Uh, with our families at work, individually. And uh, I just pray blessing over everybody that's in this room right now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.